All we need is a place to be And a few good friends for some company If you'd like to stay, you don't have to leave We'll leave the lights on and the door unlocked If you drop on by, you don't have to knock We're happy to share whatever we've got I am sitting with my mom. Hello, Mother. How excited are you? I'm not sure. I'll tell you when we're done. Scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you? Oh, five or six. Okay. I'm going to have to do that. That'll be a little better. Uh, I think there is clearly one place to start. And I think everyone in this room knows that there is one place to start. And it would be a shame if I didn't start there. And so we're going to do just that. Um, in your life... Which of your children has brought you more joy? Oh. <laughs> that is not a question I'm going to answer. <laughs> but I think you just did. I think you just did. And I think we all know. Uh, okay, uh, second. I can answer that. You can answer that. <laughs> that still means I'm first, though, right? <laughs> it's all about winning. Um, I I asked Tanner uh, if I was going to be interviewing. I was going to be interviewing Nana, and so uh, did he have any questions that need to be asked? And so, really, the important question that this whole interview depends on is: as Nana, what is your favorite dinosaur? T Rex. He'd be a little disappointed. Oh, what should I say? The Indominus Rex. Oh, the Indominus Rex, yeah. yeah. Isn't there another Jurassic World coming? Yes, I think there's yes, another no. Jurassic World. Uh, okay, uh, I want to start here because I'm remembering Chuck's interview uh, last week where I found out that Chuck, until he went to college, did not have indoor plumbing. Did you have indoor plumbing growing up? Uh, yes and no. You didn't know that, did you? Wait, you're that old? I am that old. Um, when I was young on Grandpa and Grandma's farm, there was no indoor plumbing. And there was the outhouse, out away from the house. And for bath or bathing, we would have a big tub that they'd bring in and fill with, fill with water. Um, That's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. Yes, it was. You had siblings. Did you all like use the same nasty bath water? Oh, I don't, I don't remember that far. Oh my part. goodness. But yes, at Grandma and Grandpa's. Where was where was their farm? In Dayton, in Oregon, they had uh, strawberries and apple orchard and walnuts. Interesting. Okay, uh, let's start. I mean, let's go. Let's go way back. Let's start at the beginning. Some of these uh, questions I don't even know, so I'm excited to know. Uh, so just give us. Let's just start with the sense of your childhood. Um, your mom, your dad, siblings. Where did you grow up? What was the early years of uh, Joetta Clark at that time like? Well, um, I have a brother that's two years younger than me, and then my sister who is eight years younger than me. And we essentially started out in Dayton, um, Oregon, which was my grandparents' farm, and um, lived in... Newport for a few years, Corvallis while my dad went back to college and got his teaching degree or certificate, and then uh, moved around about 
two or three other places while he taught. And um, so we were just kind of moved around quite a bit there. What was, uh, what was it? What was family life? What was, uh, what were the normal rhythms for you all? Um, you know, the weekdays were pretty much, you know, once dad got his, uh, he'd been hurt, he'd hurt his back. He'd been in the service and hurt his back and went back to school. Um, cause he could not, he was a postal worker and could not carry the postal bags anymore. Um, so once he got his teaching degree, of course, it was that mom was a at home mom and, we went to school and came home. He taught band for a few years, so there's all the activities around band, um, going to the concerts and to the parades and all of that. Um, weekends, Sundays, Sundays and Wednesdays were church days. And, Wait, Sunday um, mornings and nights or just? Sunday mornings and evenings and Wednesdays. That sounds like yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, but a lot of weekends we would be out, at, we'd go back out, to the farm, the grandpa and grandmas, and help them. And summers were spent at the farm doing, um, we would pick the strawberries at grandpa and grandma's farm, then we moved to another farm and pick raspberries, and then to another farm for beans, and that's how we earned the money for our school clothes. Isn't there a story of a flood? Oh, yes. What's the flood story? Um, we lived up in Stanfield, Oregon, which is in eastern Oregon, and um, it had snowed. It was very cold. The, the ground was very frozen, and um, I went to school one morning, and um, about halfway through the day, my dad was there to pick us up. Um, there was a, a warm wind came through and melted the snow, all the snow, and the ground was frozen, and so this is farmland, so all the manure and pasture land come rolling into town and into our home. And um, the pl- I flooded the house. The the place you resided had manure rolling in. Yep. Yeah. Rolled through the house. A couple inches. So, yeah. What does... Wait, hold on. What do you... Like, where, where do you start? I mean, I've seen Tanner and Parker's bedroom, and there are some times <laughs> where I go to clean that, and I'm a bit overwhelmed at where to start. What do you do when there's a flood and... Part of the flood includes a bit of manure. Well, you wait till the water goes down, and uh, you know the first one is you start scraping it out, and then you know you just keep washing and washing floors because it's a fine dust. You know that you just. You How know. long does that take? I don't remember. I was, I think, in sixth grade the year it happened, and um, it, I just remember my mom. Um, Every, you know, I don't know, it felt like every day having to wash the floors and um, and uh, it ruined some of our furniture. I, I bet it did. Um, my dad was able to get some stuff up up so that it, it was protected, but there was a lot of furniture that was was uh, was ruined through it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, that sounds like an, a, a, an adventure. Uh, what family, what... what what did, besides uh, apparently Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday church, what kind of things did your family do for fun? You know, we didn't take very many vacations, and uh, and I, I don't, I, I really don't know because our, like I said, our summers were always spent on the farm helping grandpa and grandma, and working in the fields. So um, it was mostly family time, you know, cousins coming to the farm, and and just 
having them to play with and uh, be with them. So we took a couple trips to California to Disneyland because we had family down there. Those were the big trips. Disneyland. Um, your family life was drastically shaken when your dad passed away. Yeah. Um, do you mind telling us, number one, how old were you? Definitely want to hear the school bus story. Okay. And then just what, how, uh, given your age, how on earth, I mean, yeah, that, that shakes everything. Sure. I was 18. And just getting to know, to know my dad as an adult, you know, that transition from where you're not a kid, but you, you begin to, to develop a new relationship. Um, he died on a Saturday. I, at the time, was in... Um, a group called New Americans. It was with Youth for Christ in Portland. It was a music drama group. And I had been in Portland. We lived in Newburgh at the time. I had been in Portland at practice. And um, I'm going to come back to that in a minute because there's a story there too. But my dad drove, he was a school teacher and on the side drove for Gray Line bus line. And um, this particular Saturday, he'd take the bus full of high school kids up to Mount Hood to go skiing. Coming back down the mountain, he had a heart attack that killed him instantly. The bus veered off the road into a place that was snow. A few feet either side, he would have gone over the cliff. Um, our church was in a, a, a season of a little, we had these little, uh, uh, they were just little things, but they said it's a miracle, and it was kind of one of those things that they did. And afterwards, uh, we looked at his Bible. There were three of them. And we say there were three miracles. And this first was that that bus full of high school kids, and you can imagine the trauma to them, went off in this space and just dropped slightly. No one was injured. The second miracle was there was a medical doctor on the bus as a, as a chaperone. He was immediately at my dad's side and said there was nothing that could be done. And the third miracle was that he didn't suffer. I mean, he said it was instantaneous, and uh, there was he did probably didn't know what happened, and he didn't suffer. And so, you know, through a difficult situation, it's good to have something that you know that was that God was working in it. The way I, the reason I want to say I'm going to go back to where I was was because we were I was at practice that day, and. Um, Part of the practice was we would practice our music for a while and then we'd have a devotional quiet time and prayer time. And we were in prayer time. And I, to this day, can remember what room I was in and where I was sitting. And um, we were very specifically in quiet prayer time, no speaking. And, and I was sitting there and I heard, in my mind, I heard, be still and know that I am God. It was very strong. I thought, well, that's strange, you know. But okay. And I heard it again. And that after that evening when I got home, our pastor was at the house with my mom and my sister and my brother to let me know my dad had died. As close as I can put it together, the accident happened about the same time I heard God tell me, be still. Yeah. Uh you were 18? Uh-huh. That uh, means Uncle Craig's 16, and Ori would have been, what? About 10. 10. Was Grandma, at that point, still 
stay-at-home mom? No, she was working full-time okay. at that point. Obviously, that changes everything. Yeah. So what, what was that next day, week, month, year? What was that? What, yeah, it, tell us about life. Well, it just, yeah, it changes everything because all of a sudden the, the main person in your, your life, your dad, or my mom's husband was gone. And, and, uh, so it was a matter of stepping up and helping, helping her is, um, because she was working full time. It meant, you know, more, more help with my sister who was younger and just helping her reestablish what she was going to do and how she was going to do it. Um, it changed some things for me because um, my goal was that the following year I was going to go to NN, at that time NNC and really? go to college. Um, but after he, my dad passed away, she didn't want me going that far away. And so it made a decision where I came up to Seattle Pacific then and went to school. So, Okay, I haven't asked this question ever. This is interesting. I think it's interesting. I hope it's interesting. If it's not, you can tell me. Um, <laughs> You were 18. You're how old now? 70. 70, oh, yeah. Wow, you're old. <laughs> uh, but that's your that's your dad. So as a 70-year-old, how often do you still think about him? And, and I guess there's a couple questions. How long, how long of a season did it last where just like, it went from like that constant pain that's just always there and you just know it's with you to an easing of, I, I, I still love him, still miss him, but it's getting, it's getting, it's like, it's lightening a little bit. And, and then the, the second part of that question is it's your dad and you're 70 and he passed away when you're 18, but I'm guessing he still comes up often. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, just little things that will happen or I'll see something that reminds me of him. Um, in fact, recently I've, I've got at home, a, a probably a box like this, uh, a nice size box of some of his stuff that, um, as we clean it out, my mom's home, um, she passed on to me. Um, one of the interesting things is an autograph book he had from high school. And, um, you know, our, I've got a whole book that my mom put together of articles on, you know, from his, teaching days and uh, pictures from when he was a young man. And it's just, yeah, every so often I'll think about him. I, I can't remember how long it took for it to, to become real and just, you know, not expecting him to come home and uh, not waiting for him to help. Um, and what was he like, like him? I'm like him. Characteristics? Do you, like? Oh. I've been told I'm tall like him. yeah. Yeah, he was over six foot. Um, I probably my love for music came from him because he was a band teacher. He played piano. Um, did, when did you start playing the piano? And did he teach you? No, but I was in his band class. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, um, that's pressure. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, he didn't fail you, did he? No, he didn't. That's good. Yeah. He also taught me science too, ninth grade science. Oh, what would he have thought of young Terry Matson when you... Well, I'm uh, not sure that we probably would have ended up together. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, what, what level 
I, I, I don't, it's hard to ask with your mom and your dad, so maybe together, but at what level did your parents play in terms of your own early faith formation? And I mean, obviously your family went to church, but beyond that, how did they, uh, how did they raise you in such a way that, that you leaned into to your faith? I think it was just the example of their lives, the fact that, that it was important to them and um, that, you know, going to church wasn't just something we had to do, but we, but they enjoyed it. They enjoyed the people they were with. They enjoyed, you know, they had a good relationship with their pastors and they, they liked giving and being a part of it. And, and they lived it out at home too. I can remember, and I'm guessing this is probably like a, um, a four-year-old memory. I mean, it goes way back, but I can remember um, seeing my mom and dad um, kneel together at this bedside to pray at night. And, you know, those influences just stay with you. And, and it's, you, see, you see them do that, but then you see their lives as they live them out. Um, are, they, are you sure they weren't praying for you because you were like a holy terror as a toddler? Well, that could be, but I didn't ask him. <laughs> maybe their prayers worked, and you called. <laughs> that maybe that was it. <laughs> so SPU, your was that that would have been your senior year that your they passed away. Well, it was um, no, it was actually uh, probably my freshman year of college. I went to George Fox because that was in town there in Newburgh. Okay, and um, so I was at SP SPC or SPU. For my sophomore, junior, senior years. What's that like then coming off a tragedy, then leaving to go away? That had to be hard, especially younger siblings, your mom. What what was that like? Do you remember in, in college years? Give us give us the best Joetta Matson college years uh, stories. Uh, my college years were pretty dull. Okay. Yeah, I was an RA for two years, so that kept me busy um, on the floors. Um, but, and I had to work because I didn't have a lot of money for college, especially with dad gone, um, was needing to work on the side. So I didn't have, but I had, I guess I had some good friends that we hung out together at the dorm a lot. Um, but nothing. And you went, you went for psychology. I do you were a psychology, psychology major. Degree. Yeah. We should diagnose somebody. <laughs> I don't think so. Let's diagnose David Dunn. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, diagnose me. Uh, yeah. Um, did you ever? Did you ever use that? Like, did you ever take that and use it? No, because I needed to go on, and I was tired of school after four years. Amen. And and then I and I planned to get back to it, and uh, but I just never did. Okay. So. Okay, I, I we could get too far ahead of this, and I will get away. And I would be remiss if I didn't. But I th- we have to spend a little time on the piano. So you started at a young age, about fifth grade. I. They talk about in sports. They talk about people being in the zone. Uh, I remember my claim to fame in my uh, B League intramural basketball days at NNU <laughs> when they we won the B-League championship because I scored 36 points in the uh, in the playoff game to get us going. Uh, I, it was like the one time of my basketball career that I felt like I was in the zone. Like, give me the ball every time. I'm going to score. Um, I, when I'm preaching, there are often moments where I'm like, I'm clearly not in the zone. <laughs> and then there are some Sundays where I'm like, this, for some reason, it's flowing. So 
think about you with the piano. Can you give us, what is it like when you're behind the piano? Does it, does it all quiet down? Is it just you and the keys and the notes? Is it, are you, are you thinking about the environment? Are you just lost in the music? What is that moment like? Well, it, it's kind of different if you're talking about actual worship time with everybody singing as opposed to doing uh, music during the offering. Um, during worship, I find myself more or less trying to just keep on in the right spot. Probably doesn't help with <laughs> and, Dad playing the drums. And uh, make sure that <laughs> that I'm with Lorenzo and not on, out on yeah. my own somewhere. So it, that's that's more of it. Just it's a little bit of work. I enjoy it because I I enjoy hearing the worship coming back at me from people singing. But for me, it's it's more work than. At that point. Okay, offertory. Offertory is different because um, that's my worship. Um, I'm really picky about what songs I do. I, I I can't just sit. Terry says, oh, just go play something. You know, you know it all. And it just doesn't work that way for me because I I, I just want to hear from, from the Lord first his pleasure in what I've picked. Um, and then I... I offer it as worship. Um, and I'm sorry that everybody else has to just sit and listen <laughs> to my worship. But um, but I hope it ministers too. I hope that for somebody there each Sunday that there's something in the song I picked or or the quiet time that, that ministers to them and, uh, and does something for people. So in that moment, again... Are you lost in the moment? Are you aware of surroundings? Or is it an over, like, where are you at? Is it an over-focus on what's the next note? Am I going to turn the page? Or is it so natural that you're just, you're just playing? You're not even thinking. It's just happening. Sometimes that way. Not always. Um, I try to, I try to drown out or not hear the noises around me. Like Jeffrey? Because sometimes it gets, you know, it gets to be. Oh, he left! Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, just because of things that are going on, there's movement and stuff, and, and it's easy to get distracted. So um, I try not to let that bother me and just just let it, let it come. And you've toured. Yeah. Tell us some about the tours. Where have you gone? Places you've seen. I have this memory as a little kid. Maybe you can tell me how old I was of you going on a tour. And I know you did tours before then um, around the world, so I want to hear a little bit about that. But I have this memory of, as a little kid, uh, us going to, like, usher you off on a tour and you leaving me and Nikki home with Dad and just being horrified at what the next <laughs> week was going to hold. Uh, Trauma. Yeah. So um, my brother went to um, a church in Portland called Turning Point, which was quite large. Um, their choir was, like, a couple hundred people. And, like... a week and a half before they were to go on come up to Seattle for a, a tour um, they lost their piano player and, and he said would you come play for us and I said I laughed I said you're kidding because you've got this big church with 200 in your choir I said you must have piano player somewhere and he said no not one that Deborah can use and I so I made a deal with him I said okay I'll go play for Deborah but I give her permission to say uh uh-uh, I don't want you if she'll do that. And he said, okay. Well, I went and played for her and left with a stack of music like this that I had one week to learn. That had to be fun. I mean, other well, than I was the stress. Working, I was working full-time, so it was like evenings and weekends. <laughs> yeah. But 
that was an ex- it was really a good uh good time for me because um it pushed me beyond what I knew I could do and it was it was exciting to worship with this big choir and and to and give some concerts up here in the Seattle area. Yeah. Well, you've also been overseas, though, right? Yeah. Where'd you, like, give us some places. So, this Youth for Christ group that I referred to before, I was in it for two years. <clears throat> the first year, um, we did a 21-day tour to Europe and hit, like, was it six or eight countries? Oh, uh, did And did 21 concerts during that time. So, multiple concerts on some days. But it was exciting. There was probably about a total of 50 of us. I was a small, um, small little band. I played my clarinet and there was a couple trumpets and drums and flutes and saxophones. And, uh, it was, it was really fun to, to go and be in each of these countries. We were, we did, um, concerts in churches. We did one on an army base in Germany. Um, did some outside, so it was all around. And then the next year, we went back just to England for 21 days, and that time, we actually stayed in people's homes all throughout the tour. Oh, that sounds awkward. Awkward, but it was fun, too, to, to be in their homes uh, and uh, experience. Uh, I would think it would be very cold there. In the summer? It was rainy, yeah. The weather was a little damp, but um, no, it was a really good time and to get to know people. And and um, I, one of the biggest memories I have of that year was um, they, my friend and I, we, there were two of us that were staying at this one house, and they uh, dropped us off in the evening. And the next morning they took us back to meet the group. And um, that was fine. Good day. And so they brought us back that night to the street, and we looked and we went, "Oh dear!" It was row houses, and they all looked the same, and we had no idea which which door we walked out of. Yes. <laughs> so what did well, you do? Well, I vaguely remembered there being some kind of um, plastic animal or something up in one of the windows, and so we walked down the street. That sounds terrible. Until we found one, and then we knocked on the door to make sure, see if it was the right one. Sounds terrible. All right. I think we've gone long enough uh, without talking about the one and only Terry Matson. Rumor has it, Mr. Matson did not leave the best first impression on you. That rumor is correct. Do you care to share? Do you and care? He, he knows that. So. And he knows that. Let's hear the story. Uh, give us the give us the dirt. So um, it was the middle of the summer, and I was um, playing the organ for my cousin's wedding, and it was in a United Methodist church that had no air conditioning, and the organ was up in the balcony, and it was hot, and I was um, they were late getting practice started. And I'm sitting up there by myself, waiting for things to go. And all of a sudden, he comes walking down the aisle, making jokes, and talking to everybody, and just stalling the practice even further. And I thought, who is this guy? What does he think he's doing? <laughs> that was my first impression. <laughs> How? I mean... How did he, if that was your first impression, 
how did we go from there to like you finally you saying okay I guess I'll go out with you was well, that his beard you just like saw no, that he, and like that's hot stuff no, well no and actually the first time we were supposed to go out he stood me up so hold on <laughs> so you have Mr. Arrogant coming in cocky at a wedding finally he works his magic gets you to say yes to a date and he stands you up and you're still married this is okay <laughs> How did well, he? It wasn't really a full date. I mean, he said we were working with the, the teens at the church, and he said, "Hey, how about I pick you up? We'll go get something to eat before we go to this activity." And I said, "Sure, that's fine." Classic move. And uh, we never got anything to eat because he didn't come. <laughs> Explain. I have no recollection. Uh, <laughs> Why did you give him another chance? I mean, thankful you did. I wouldn't be here if you didn't. That's but true. Why did you give him another chance? Is, he char- is there a charm in him that we don't know about? Well, he must have charmed me pretty well, huh? Is he a good kisser? Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> uh, Mary, eventually kids. Give us a bit of your that season of life. You guys are doing what? You're living where? You're figuring life out. Along comes Sean. Along comes Nikki. That's a lot. But give us your best 60 seconds on that period. <laughs> well, we spent... Um, the first year we were married, we lived in Vancouver. He, Dad worked with his dad at Matson Electric, and I was working in the insurance business. And um, uh, We were married about a year when we went to Idaho and entered youth ministry there, and that's where you were born, in Idaho. Twin Falls, Idaho, born in a foreign country. And and then we came back. Dad worked uh, with his dad and brother again, and uh, then we're in ministry in Vancouver. Um, and I pretty much, from the point we came back from Idaho, played piano at, at church pretty much the whole time then, yeah. since then. So... Um, you, uh, we, we, I, we went to all the big, well, I don't remember going to Central, but in terms of the big churches in Vancouver, uh, you all attended Central, right? Mm-hmm. You definitely, Hillcrest is my memory of the first church as a kid and then Liberty Bible. Apparently there was this big church split and our family went with the split. So our, my uncle and aunt and their family went to this new church start and, uh, my grandparents and us stayed at the old church, but. I guess really the question I want to know, and we can edit this out if you want. Um, what was your favorite of those three, Central, Liberty, or Hillcrest? That's tough. I mean, each of them have unique um, unique things about them, but I probably, Hillcrest has probably the best memories for me yeah. of that. Why? Know? Well, being involved um, with music, they had a really good um, women's ministries group that um, I was able to enjoy some of the things they did. And also, that I just felt really good about their children's ministry, their nursery ministry, so that I knew that you and Nikki um, were being taken care of and were being taught well, and uh, and that was important. So, I'm in sixth grade. Nikki would have been in what? Second. Second grade. And you guys dropped the bomb. Hmm. Move into West Seattle. 
Were you excited for that? Were you dreading it? What was that move like for you? It was a bit scary. I was I had been working full time, so and our decision was that if we came up here, I would quit working because I, we knew that it was going to be a major change for both you and Nikki, and that it was more important. I was at home with you. Um, You're more worried for Nikki or me. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, probably you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think you, um, because the change was from a sixth grade grade school. To middle all, school. Yeah, all white grade school to sixth grade middle school at Asa Mercer. And that was quite a change. It was a culture shock. In the thankful for. Um, but I, yeah, mm-hmm. I had to grow into that. Yeah. Uh, the call. So obviously, uh, Dad was called to be the pastor. Um, did you did you share in that call? Did you have a sense that this too was what not just Terry was supposed to do, but we as a family were supposed to do? Or in that in that place, was it no? I, he's called, and I know he's called, and so we'll follow him. Wow, I don't really remember. Um, I I think that it was a shared call. I'm looking at Terry to see if he's shaking his head yes or no. <laughs> no, I I remember there was there was one time where there was a decision made where I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I said I would follow. But I think that it was a shared call that um, it was the timing was right for that. What was your first thoughts when you uh, drove up and saw this big uh, old? building uh, and then walked inside and saw the burnt orange carpet. <laughs> shag carpet. Yes, it was shag carpet. Uh, it was shag? Uh, I don't even remember that. If it was shag, why did you get rid of that? Oh, that'd be oh great. <laughs> we should go back. Probably it would be what Kristen would love. because yeah, probably. It, oh, she actually would have. That's so true. What? Okay, first thoughts when you saw this. Um, and then, and then, first thoughts after that first Sunday when was it was like seventeen people, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what? Thirteen. Thirteen people. Um, just kind of. Uh, I don't know. I thought we were coming up just so Dad could preach. I didn't realize we were coming up to be interviewed as well. Mm-hmm. And so after after the he service, conveniently left that out. I don't know if he did or not, but after the service, then we came down here to the basement and were uh, interviewed, and that was a bit intimidating, because they wanted to know what I was going to do. Yeah. And, uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you are uh, now the senior pastor's wife. You play the piano. You cook a good meal, good potlucks. You certainly fit the bill of what... Uh, Pastor's wife ought to be, according to that time at least. Um, and dad was here, how many years before I came? 18 and a half years. What are some of the joys of that time? Oh, there's so many. I think one of the, one of the things that have been the best and um, is that you know, we used to try to have Sunday dinner and have guests in almost every Sunday. And um, 
I thought if, if I thought if I ever wrote a book, it would be if this table could talk and talk about some of the things that happened around that table. You could write a blog. That's true too. But um, you know, the tears that may have been spilled and, and the laughter and the ham juice that gets spilled and um just so many things shared there and uh, I think that's probably one of my favorite memories um from the ministry. Uh Living in a parsonage is a unique experience uh, filled with blessings, but also uh, has its uh, share of curses. Um, what was most difficult? What were, what were, can you think of anything that at the time, Difficult, painful, but but yet a sense that like I I have to live with this. This is, this is part of the job, right? A uh, pastor's wife, whatever that means. Um, I probably should say pastor spouse. Forgive me. Um, but what were the hard parts of that? Eighteen years. You know, the house is a, a glass house, and especially sitting next door to the church, um, there isn't a lot of privacy in that, and. Uh, I can remember one one lady who um, would often come over before Sunday school to visit with me while I was trying to get ready for church, and, uh, and she just thought she was be doing good by coming to visit me, and uh, and I couldn't get her to see that you know I was still in my robe trying to get dressed, and and I was you know, but there's the people who. Um, Betty Janicki, who would come and do the flowers and the bushes and um, help with the yard work out front. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I don't know. It has, it has its good and bad, and um, you live with both. Let me ask it a different way, because I don't totally want to let you off the hook. Um, if before getting married... Kristen wants to pull you aside and say, what am I getting into? And you are going to give her some advice that just says, hey, pastor, being a pastor spouse is beautiful at times, but it's also really tough. Protect A, B, and C. What advice would you give her? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. I suppose one of the things is um, it's okay to say no at times. And you can say no for your your husband as well. Um, you know, there, being next to church, there are a lot of people who would come by. Um, they knew somehow the word of Terry's generosity kind of spreads and people would come by. And, and, um, and it's hard to sometimes know what to say, and and you just have to learn to say either no or I cannot help you. But if you want to come by when he is here and let him help you. Um, because I, I struggled with that, feeling like I wasn't being generous or I wasn't being, I wasn't being what Jesus would want me to be by not helping them out. But I also knew that there, was, there were limits, and, and the best way I could do that is to either say no or say I can't. Come back later. It was one of the things I would say. Did you think, or in those early years, did you think you were going to lose me? 
when you were struggling so hard? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it was for me. It was it was an awful transition. Yeah, and it was scary as a mom because there was a point where the you wouldn't leave the house. You didn't want to go to school because of the fears and the things that had happened. And uh, the only safe place for you was here at the church where Andy and Clarence and Teddy um, surrounded you, Jordan. So how'd you, as a mom, how'd you handle that? Um, stay close. Um, knew what the things that were were important to you and try to make sure they were there. And and like I said earlier, that was part of the time when, for me, it was more important for me to be at how, an at-home mom than to be out working. Yeah. I think of, uh, and we'll go to lightning round soonish. Um, so get your questions ready. Uh, I think of one of the things you say often, uh, and, and to me, I, I begin to, when, you, when I first started hearing you say it, you would say it about dad, uh, and I know you meant it, about dad, uh, but I quickly realized that it came out of a source of pride that ought to be attributed to dad, but it also ought to be attributed to uh, you as his partner in ministry. And it, it, something along the lines of you were proud that we were we were always a small church, but we wouldn't take on a small church mentality. Would you what, when you say that? Because I've heard you say it several times, and I, I think it is one of the gifts. And I think it comes out of a lot of dad's work and a lot of your work and the blood, sweat, and tears um, that went into to all that. What are you saying in that? Over the years, I've, I've been in or visited um, small churches, and you feel like they don't expect a lot from themselves because they're small. They don't have a lot of finances. They don't have a lot of people. And so they... They just say, we'll do what we can. And they do a good job of it. But I felt like um, for Terry, we're a small church, but we, we're not going to look at ourselves that way. And if there is a, a, something that needs to be done, like going downtown Seattle and feeding people uh, alongside uh, Kirkland, or going to William Booth, I mean, all these different kinds of things, or... I'm trying to think right. I, I can't right now think of the things that we did, but he never let the idea that we were a small church with limited finances and few people stop us from dreaming big things and doing big things. Um, and um, and I just feel like that's been important in the growth of the church and and how we see ourselves that um, that we can do more than than we think we can. And uh, I don't think I'm answering that very well, but um, but just just the idea that that we don't have to be satisfied um, as a small church. I think somebody said, I don't know, was it last Wednesday night or, or maybe in Sunday school? I mean, it was in Sunday school last Sunday. The fact that um, we talked about the difference between a big church and a, a small church, and and that a small church can be just as powerful and uh, as meaningful as a big church. Um, because we know each other and we work together and uh, we can dream big together. So. Uh, you got a when, you got a job at some point. When, when did you start working? Um, I think it was your the first year you were at uh, Seattle Lutheran. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, and how long, how many years did you work there? You just retired, uh, though I'm not sure we're going to call it retirement just yet. <laughs> um, well, January would have been 22 years, so just short of 22 years. Hard to summarize 22 years in Venice, but but that was a job that paid bills, but it was also more than a job. Uh, it was a, a source of uh, personal accomplishment, uh, personal formation. Uh, so, so give us a sense of what that work meant to you, not just as a place that I got out of the parsonage and away from West Seattle for a while. I get to be on a bus where I can read and have some quiet space. Um, but but that, that job carried weight, it, it's clear, uh, looking from afar. Would you talk about that a little bit? Well, I think part of it was that it was something that um, that I I could do for myself. Um, it was a place. Sometimes in the ministry, as a minister's wife, and maybe this is what something else I would have told Kristen is, um, you are you're uh, not in the limelight, and uh, you feel like you do a lot of things that people don't notice, and and that you get tired sometimes of carrying that load of. of of making other people look good. <laughs> and not that that's bad, but, you know, just sometimes you just need something that that you do that you can uh, say, I did this and it's what I did. And so um, it was a really good job. I had a supervisor who was also a very good friend. And what was nice was that she, her, her kids went to Seattle Lutheran as well, and she appreciated the ministry, and so she was very flexible in allowing me time off for for ministry things and uh, letting my schedule fluctuate sometimes. And I guess just the idea that I was able to um, to work my way up several steps in the in the uh, department and got to where I, I was able to help manage at one point in time and and just what I could do for other people. And and it was nice because I was, uh, I never, never touted my faith, but everybody knew that I had a faith. And um, and there were people there, there were a couple of people who also had faith and, and just to share with them, but it helped me, um, just to be able to be with people that um, that I could help um, increase and become better at what they were doing. Uh, almost done, but okay. Eighteen and a half years, Terry Matthews pastor. Uh, you are pastor Stouts. Uh All of a sudden, he what? I guess it wasn't all of a sudden, but he's going to uh, step down, retire, and they're going to hire some young punk kid to come. Um, but you're going from 18 and a half years in this position where it really is a place that was um, an identity source for you as a pastor's spouse to that not being your role and yet you still being there. I imagine that was difficult. Was it, or was it free, or some hot mess of both? <laughs> Maybe both. I don't know. I don't remember it being really difficult. Um, part of it was because I kept kept doing so many things that I was already doing. <laughs> <Still>. <laughs> Those didn't change too much. But um, being aware that 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 was not my position anymore, and and trying to help Kristen um, as she 
found her way into it. Um, yeah. And not having any idea what, what she married into. Well, I, <laughs> is that a shot? No, I, I mean, no, I mean, as, as a pastor's wife, yeah. Well, I think, and I think, I think one of the gifts you've given her is you've allowed her to be her. Um, I think she would say that. Okay, okay. Uh, we need to talk about you and Jesus. Um, unlike Dad, who did not make a good first impression, it would appear Jesus made a good first impression and didn't bail on your first date. Um, <laughs> would you, I mean, it's clear to anybody watching, you have a, a level of intimacy with the divine uh, that is unique. Would you just talk, I mean, it, again, it's, it's hard because we're talking about faith over the course of a lifetime, but you, would you talk about your relationship with the Christ? I don't think I can remember a time that I wasn't aware that Jesus loved me. My earliest memories go back to um, a Sunday school room in uh, the Nazarene Church in McMainville, Oregon, and a teacher named Mrs. Anderson. And I was probably, that was probably about five years old. Um, and between her and my grandma Kinney, there was just a sense of the love of Jesus constantly shared, and, and, uh, and of course with my parents. But I never, I never doubted it. I always believed in that Jesus loved me, and that um, that's just the way it was. There was no reason to think otherwise, and uh, and it just stayed with me through through my whole life. I, um, you know, I had, I don't even know that I went through any time when I I really questioned it. It was just a growing faith over the years, and um, and then as I got into college, and, and well, as I was in the music group with Youth for Christ, um, that was a real deepening at that point in time, because uh, um, it was music and, and Bible study combined, and, and it was with kids from all different backgrounds, and so um, that was helpful because it, it expanded yeah. things out, and uh, and being at a Christian college, um, you know, had the chapels you had to go to, and, and Bible studies. Or you could have skipped like me. So um, no, it's just it's always been there and growing. Well, uh, last question before we turn it over to others. Uh, this is your chance uh, to uh, brag about uh, Sam and Tanner and Lucas and Parker and Micah and all they mean to a grandmother's heart. Yeah, all five of the boys, my grand boys. Um, they are all special and, and get to pray for them often. I saw four of the five come into the world. I didn't get to be with Micah because of COVID, but um, they did. They touch this grandma's heart really, really tenderly, and uh, I just hope and pray that that I make an impression on them as they grow up. Uh, I sure, yeah. Uh, if Tanner uh, gets done with school and uh, has nothing to say to Kristen and I, but the second we get home, he makes a beeline for the door to see if he can go downstairs and see Nan and Papa. So I think you're making an impression. What questions do we have, Christian? Two questions, 
Sorry. Do you want to tell it? No, you know what I'm talking about. I have a different one. <laughs> 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 sure. Yeah. Um, so first question, as soon as you said it, and we're just like, what's the follow-up? Um, <laughs> you said you both were interviewed down in this basement, uh-huh. and they asked what you would do. Um, could you tell us more what that was like and what, how you responded? Well, it was um, it was surprising because he's the one you're supposed to be interviewing, not me. Um, but my response to them was that I was coming with no intention of taking on any responsibilities initially because it was a big change for my children and I wanted to be available to them. And as things settled in, then I would look at what I could take on. So I didn't commit to anything other than playing the piano. <laughs> Second question. Uh, um, I'm really interested in this idea of a blog that you have. Yeah. Um, you could, I mean, I bet that could be a little your own little podcast, probably, or your own little <laughs> series. You know, you gotta get on that, Sean. Yeah, I don't have to get on it. I'm serious. I, I, I agree. So, but my question: um, Can you give us a little like teaser? That's a great question. That is a good question. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, um, maybe, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking um, something to do with um, Michael Anderson and Dominic were often at the table, and um, there was always this joke about one Sunday we were passing the plate of ham, and it had all the juice on it. And the ham juice got spilled on your lap or my Oh, it was Michael Anderson spilling it on my lap. <laughs> and um, it was like, oh, 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 oh! <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was always, uh, that memory always was often brought up at the table. And just, you know, maybe a trailer would be something with that and just kind of uh, pulling it. The table filled with Michael Anderson corny jokes. I mean... No, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just so everyone knows, um, and this puts the pressure on her. So I want double pressure to be felt. I honestly think the blog or podcast, whatever you want it to be, needs to happen um, before Dad writes his next book. You need to start this. Uh, I out back. If you go back there, uh, created. There's some finishing touches I need to do. A patio out back, and and certainly it's on church ground, so the church can for sure use it, uh, but in part it, it was the realization that the downstairs basement is pretty small and it's hard to have larger gatherings like she used to on Sunday, and so the hope with the patio is in spring and summertime uh, that can be used as a gathering space with a table to have people over on Sundays and other days uh, for a meal. So if you'd like to be signed up on the list to be invited over, uh, make sure you talk to my mom later today. <laughs> Christian has got the first. <laughs> Who's next? Jeffrey. Be scared. 
Which is the more actually, stubborn kid? Um, Unfortunately, I have to say that Nikki was the most stubborn. Yeah, she is. She really was as a as a, a small child. She was uh, well. She, she was the one that would hold her breath until she'd almost pass out when she was tiny. Yeah. Uh, you know how I've been like taking little snippets of these interviews and posting them as prequels. I think that's the answer I'm going to post. But of the two. Sean has the, the most trouble because he almost died a couple times when he was, oh, yeah. When he I, was born. I came out gray. Yeah, we almost lost him at birth. They snipped the cord and he was gone. What did you, what, you did, my dad just said, what did you say? Ugliest kid I ever saw. Ugliest kid he ever saw. Right here, baby. They, I, they came out, my umbilical cord was wrapped around and, and, they thought, they thought I, I likely had brain damage, but thanks be to God. <laughs> Mark? Hi, Mark. Hello. Good evening. You definitely spoke on a lot of your uh, moments of grace, which I love, so that kind of like takes away my every single question <laughs> of like your moments of grace that you just can't help but you know that's God um, so uh, curious though you did mention this before too as well do you have a favorite scripture that you like to go to um, don't you do a yearly a, a scripture for the year I didn't do one this year um I'm trying to think of the one I've got on my, my wall right now. Um, oh my, I'm going blank. And it, uh, the one, okay, and I can't even say it now, but the one about uh, his mercies are new every morning. Um, great is his faithfulness. Um, I can't, I'm going blank, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the Lamentations one. That one and and the verse, be still and know that I'm God. Probably, um, in fact, I have that on my wall because it was just so powerful of the of the scripture. Yeah. One thing I haven't heard you say is that you were upset at the transition coming from where you were in Idaho or Oregon to Seattle. I hear a lot of people when they make these transitions get terrible fears and the complexes and uh, 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 terrible trouble of adapting. I didn't hear that from you tonight. Well, there were fears and it was hard. I mean, we went from two uh, person income down to one person income, which was even less than the one person income Terry had before we came. And uh, we moved from up here where prices were higher and and costs were higher and so you know there was some tough times making getting started and making uh the transition and financial and also leaving family i for sean especially and nikki leaving grandma in vancouver whom they saw almost every day and now only seeing 
you know, a weekend when we can get down there. So, yeah, there were some transitions that were difficult during that time. And just uh, just kept moving forward and doing the best we could in all of that. Who's next? Kathleen. Uh-oh. Hi. Um, one thing that Sean didn't ask you about was your third child. Um, <laughs> um, people might not know that um, you took care of Dominic when he was very small for a few years before you mm-hmm. had, got your job. Yeah. Should we go back and start with the question, who's more stubborn, Sean, Nikki, or Dominic? (laughs) Before you answer and talk about Dominic, because I actually have him on the list, um, so I'm glad you brought it up, Kathleen. What did he call you? When when Dominic was Parker's age, he Um, had a name for you. Lala, yeah. Lala, yeah. yeah. Why did Dominic call you Lala? I don't know where he got that. Okay, because Joetta... No, he didn't. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, he was only a few months old when I started watching him, and and he was just part of the family. Um, Sean had a song, huh? Is yes. Well, oh yeah, yeah the song. Course. Yeah, there we Dominic, Dominic, Dominic rocks. Dominic plays and Dominic talks. Giggles and gurgles, bubbles and burps. Dominic, our kind of guy. <laughs> he was one, okay. It made him happy. <laughs> yeah. No. And he loved growing up when he was Parker's age. He loved angels in the outfield. Little Dominic would be standing there doing the. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Other, sorry, I talked. No, it, it it was it was fun to have him, Kathleen, and um, I was just ha- glad that I could help be beside you um, as you raised him. And uh, he did feel like he does feel like our third third child. And uh, yeah, didn't he? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I'll, I'll ask him permission to post it and edit it out. But like he, the first time he ever went through a breakup. Didn't he for a season just come over to your guys' house and eat? Like mm-hmm. this is in his teenage years. He'll eat dinner with you guys yeah, just and just have sit. Dinner. Mm-hmm. The safe he became like again. He's family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you chose the way that Kevin was going to be introduced to the guy. <laughs> all that. But what did you want? If you weren't working, so that great. Great question. Oh, wow. 
you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. I don't know. I remember in high school somebody saying to me that I would be a pastor's wife someday. But I shook it off. <laughs> what did they know back then? Um, I had had the degree in psychology and had thought about going back to school and um, and wor- doing something that worked with kids. Not sure what, but it would have been working with kids. Yeah, therapies of some kind. That's a good question. It's a hard one. Um, you know, I still have one friend that I'm in contact with from high school. Um, we don't get, we don't talk as much as we used to, but, but we still, when we get together, it just feels like we saw each other yesterday, you know, there's that kind of thing. Um, female friendships have been kind of, they're few for me. I haven't had a lot of them, but, but the ones that I do have are deep. And, um, I remember that, uh, in, when we were in Vancouver, that was kind of a, um, I don't know if I'd say desert time or not, because I really didn't have the friendships there. Um, part of that was just because of working full time and small kids and being a church pianist. I just didn't have time. Um, and I don't know. I haven't had a lot of female friends uh, throughout the years, but the ones I do have are, are very precious to me. And, um, and I just uh, treasure what I do have. It, it's kind of hard in the ministry because, yeah. y- you know, y- you want to be close to people, but you don't want others to feel bad because you're not, you know, they may see it and think, oh, but she doesn't do that with me. And, and you know, there's just a feeling that I want to be a friend to everybody, but I don't want to hurt somebody if they think that I'm I'm favoring someone. Prime rib. Oh, that was. Uh. <laughs> well, I've pretty much taught myself. Um, my dad taught my mom to cook, and she, but she didn't. She didn't pass on a lot of that. Grandma, probably Grandma Kinney, my mom's mom, was one that I cooked with as a child. But once we got here in the ministry, it was like budgets were tight. Food budgets were tight, so I just started learning different ways I could fix things and uh, and and different things, so that the menu was. Oh, thank you. My favorite mo- meal, um, man, 
I don't know, because everybody asked me that for like on a birthday. What do you want? What's your favorite meal? Um, I like chicken and pasta. Yeah. Yes. Like a chicken fettuccine or just chicken mm-hmm. and pasta. Yeah. Did you say your dad taught your Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, he was a good cook. Yeah. What's well, a little bit of both? I mean, you've seen me here early on Sunday mornings, and I've got, you know, a stack of books. Sometimes when I come over, I'll have an idea. I'll have thought about it and have an idea of what song I'd like. Other times I'm just blank. And, yeah, and I'll sit down and start playing through some songs. And as I play through, I feel it in the song. It's either the words of the song or just the way the song flows. There's something about that song that I feel like, the Lord is saying, this is, this is a good one and go that. Um, so yeah, it's, it, there is thought ahead of time, but I don't always come with an answer. I probably in the moments I, I'm guessing that are really fun to pick up on that are, and I don't think they happen probably fairly often. It sounds like in talking to you when the song you picked prior to service lines up with themes that have come out from what Lorenzo picked or the sermon or how it all weaves together in ways you didn't plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell the story of, I remember hearing this uh, example in a, in a service one time um, or story where the, the pastor had preached, um, you know, about, we got to get rid of all this alcohol. Let's just throw it in the river and get rid of it all and all that. And the song leader gets up to lead the song and he says, song he chose was, shall we gather at the river? And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, you know, part of it is being sensitive, sensitive to what is in the service uh, when I can be. And I know that ahead of time, but I always think of that little story that I think that's, yeah. You're 70. You've got five uh, pretty spunky grandkids. Are Nikki and Dennis done, or are they going to have another? You'll have to ask them. I think they're done. I think it's 50-50 if Chris and I will try. I wouldn't be surprised, but it, the door's not shut. So you have five for now. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I do want a girl. I really do want a girl. I was so disappointed when I found out Tanner was... Anyway, you're 70. Um, what's your dream? 70 to however long you have uh, that will be a gift. What What do you hope for this next season in your life? Well, I hope for things to slow down a little bit. Um, you know, to be able to spend time sitting on the patio reading or, or sharing a, a cup of lem- a glass of lemonade or iced tea with a friend, um, to develop some of those friendships that you talked about that, that kind of lag because, because they're so busy with everything else and just, um, just continuing. Um, part of what I like to want to do, and I mentioned this at the ladies' Bible study last night, is 
I sometimes I feel like my my devotions and my Bible study are 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 just surface level. I just don't get very deep and be able to have time to just kind of um, dig a little deeper and uh, and feed on that and and to just develop and be with people um, kind of individualism, yeah. And to spend a lot of time with those five boys. I lied. One more question. Uh, if, if well, this is a podcast and, and these things tend to live uh, there on the interweb now or will be. And so it'll be out there. Um, so someday uh, Sam and Lucas and Micah and Tanner and Parker will hear this. Uh, so if you were to uh, speak unto uh, their futures in, in this faith world, in this church world. Um, in what ways would you speak to them? What ways would you want to bless them? What ways would you want to encourage them as they uh, lean into faith, lean into this thing called body of Christ? Well, I would say don't give up. And to find Jesus for themselves, not through their parents, but for themselves but to use what their parents give them and their grandparents have for them as stepping stones to get there, but to not give up and to pursue Jesus. I lied. Last question. When can we expect your blog? <laughs> well, I don't know. You just asked about it tonight. I'll uh, have to start thinking about that. <laughs> Let's. Uh, can we show her our appreciation for tonight? <laughs>